Welcome to Ink in Your Veins. I'm your host, Rachel Heron. In this podcast, I talk to authors about the best things they've learned about writing so we can try those things too. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to Ink in Your Veins. This is episode number 400, and I have literally have no idea. 412, that's what it is, with Jennifer Loudon back on the show today. You are going to love this interview. It is always such a joy to talk to her. She has so much energy and vibrancy and excitement, and uh, we're going to talk about the book she's writing and why she's so excited about it and you are going to get so much joy out of it. So please stick around for that. Intro will be very short uh, today because I keep hurting myself, y'all. I have hurt myself again. Um, I went, started weight training and immediately went too hard and injured my shoulder and uh, neck muscle. So I've been kind of lying low for the last day. This is the third injury I've had in about five weeks. And I asked Lala, if she thought it was maybe a result of, you know, having COVID last year. And she said, no, it's a result of you getting older, you brilliant woman, you. And I realized, yeah, she's probably right. I always go too hard. I need to learn how to go less hard. It'd be a cold day in hell before I learn how to do that. But uh, honestly, so that is why I'm trying to sit at the desk as little as possible today and keep the warm heating pad on it because that seems to help. And I'm healing quickly. And then I will go back to the gym and I will be a beast, a machine. Um, I really am getting very excited about and into taking care of this body of mine that I want to continue it working for me and carrying around this brain and allowing me to put words on the page. So I'm being nice to it. I'm going to go back to doing that in just a minute. What else has been going on? I've just been revising Seven Miracles. It's going really well in that I uh, keep feeling terrible about the writing and remembering, oh yes, this is the way it feels when one is at the last stages of editing a book, you feel the most dumb, or I do. Anyway, a lot of times that's when I am bored of the book, bored of the sentences, bored of the words that are in the book. And I just keep showing up and going, oh yeah, that's the critic's voice. It's not real. This isn't boring. I've just seen it a lot. And I sit down and I do some revision and that feels good ignoring the critic's voice, sitting down to do the revision, and then play comes in and then joy comes in, which is what normally happens. And I love being reminded of that. So that is what's been going on around here business-wise. All right, let's get into this incredible interview. For 28 years and counting, best-selling author and passionate teacher Jennifer Loudon has been a leading voice on self-care and creative transformation. She's appeared on hundreds of media platforms, including The Oprah Winfrey Show. Her insights on wellness, mindfulness, creativity, and leading a meaningful life have reached millions of people worldwide. She helped launch the concept of self-care truly, y'all, with her 1992 best-selling debut book, The Women's Comfort Book. She is the author of five additional books, including The Women's Retreat Book, The Life Organizer, and Why Bother? With close to a million copies of her books in print and in nine languages, Jennifer is a sought-after speaker and passionate educator. She's a former columnist for Whole Living, a Martha Stewart magazine, and has appeared on hundreds of television and radio shows and podcasts. Her work has been featured in People, USA Today, CNN, and Brene Brown's books, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead. And she's just so awesome. So here we go, y'all. I wish you happy writing, and we'll talk soon. Well, I am 
could not be more pleased to welcome back to the show, Jennifer Loudon. Hello, Jen. Hello, lovely. So happy to be here. We saw this on my my week and I'm like, oh, what a delight. What a delight. It was, I had the same experience because I believe we booked this one, 1 million years ago. It was at least a million, six or seven a million months and a half, ago. I think. Yeah. And then, and then just yesterday I was like, wait, is Jen on my show tomorrow? What are we mm. talking about? What are we doing? <laughs> um, besides hanging out with my friend here. So <laughs> welcome to you. You were on the show on episode 146 and we were talking that this was back in 2019. Oh my God. Um, and we were talking about writing and your emotional immune system. Oh, gosh. If anybody gosh. wants to go back and listen to that. It's absolutely worth a listen. You were you were priceless as usual. Um, but I just so people already kind of know. Well, l- l- some people will not tell us where you are, what you do, and what you write. Mm-hmm. All yeah. That. So I live in Northern Colorado in Boulder County, where it has been ridiculously cold. Um, You've been in that cold thing that's we've been in sort of the vortex, but we haven't gotten the snow. Um, And I've had this really interesting career. So I published my first book, which was a self-help book Mm -hmm. in 1992. And I went on to write nine more books and really have sort of a self-help career. But and I'm very, very proud of that work. And about 20 years ago, I started coaching writers just a little bit. And that has grown and grown. And now uh, that is my main work. I coach nonfiction writers almost entirely. I, uh, I got a couple of people who've worked with me for a long time that I help with their fiction. And I, I, yeah. And then I had a second life through all of that, which is that I'd gone to film school and I always loved stories and I really very early after kind of failing as a screenwriter tried writing fiction over and over again and I just had the most interesting experience Rachel I we were cleaning out our basement after eight years and um, I came upon two banker boxes full of journals now I've already called journals because we moved here from Washington State so we got rid of I I just remember like I don't know why I got rid of what but and I looked at them I started looking through them my first reaction was Jesus I whined a lot <laughs> I've had the exact I? same reaction. And like with compassion. Because mm-hmm. yes. like that's why you journal, right? Yes. Um, but then the thing that came out over and over again was how many novel ideas I worked on, how much I wanted to do this, and how often I would not do it or turned away from it. And so I think that that's where I'm at in this at, in this ripe old age is I'm 120 pages into a book and it, I think it's finally working. And I think for me, and this is something I'd love to talk to you about. I feel like before I never found a process that worked for me and, uh-huh. and working with a book coach, which I work as a book coach with nonfiction people has been so good for me. And I know that that doesn't work for everybody because I've had clients it doesn't work for, <laughs> but to have someone that is giving me feedback and then me going back and fixing the things in my story that doesn't work, that's made all the difference for me. And Isn't that I funny? What, we, we have yeah, to what find what process is like. Yeah. I, I, I love what you're saying. And I have a, I have a writing coach. I don't have a book coach, but I have a Mm -hmm. writing coach. Mm -hmm. And I just spoke to her yesterday and she blew my ever loving mind with this brand Mm -hmm. new idea of a nonfiction book. But, but I think that we need that external sounding board in some way, shape or form. A a lot Mm -hmm. of times what I 
don't advocate for is like um, my students when they write first drafts and then they show them to a friend and the friend like quirks the eyebrow the wrong way and they never Mm -hmm. write again, you know? So you have to have a professional who knows what they're doing and who treats you with ultimate kindness and ultimate truth. That's when we can move forward. So this is, so let me ask you, this is kind of like a key to unlocking you for fiction. I think so, because I think what happened before, and again, so interested in your perspective, is I would, I would just write and write and write and write, and it would get baggier and baggier. And I'm, you know, and then I'd be like, plot or pantser, I don't even really understand that I would try to plot, but, and I came from a character driven, you know, uh, film school that so I always thought character is action, action is character, but I don't understand. And the character is supposed to come alive and talk to you. And, you know, the John Gardner approach and like none of it ever worked for me. And I would just end up with these, you know, three, 400 pages that my agent would say, well, you're a really great writer, but. But nothing's happening. What's going on here? Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> something about, I mean, some something about having that process back and forth and then going yes. back and fixing and deepening and it's just working so much better for me. So I'm kind of amazed by that. But I know other people who are, who are like, I would never show myself to anybody until it's done who want a developmental editor approach and that works for them. I would rather die. I would, my, my first drafts <laughs> and my first drafts and my second drafts are so horrible that I feel like if anybody accidentally saw them, no one would invite me to dinner ever again. <laughs> um, have you heard of, I think it's, I think it's Jen, Oh gosh, I think it's, I'm I'm almost positive. It's Jen Cruzy's theory of the truck draft. Have you ever heard of that one? Uh -uh. It's you're just trying to get your novel to the truck draft, which means that if you were hit and killed by a truck, somebody Mm. could pick it up and publish it and like if they could polish it and and I'm always trying to to get it to there. But let me ask you too, because I have this theory that, um, and I, and I call this reactive writing. Uh, That's my word for this. I, I feel like a lot of us need to be forced to make decisions as we're writing these first drafts. So we need to write something down and then we need to look at it in some way. A lot of us can't go back and look at it because it, it's hard, but um, to be forced to look at it and make a decision and then move forward. And it be, and it seems like mm. your coach may be helping you with that instead of letting yourself just wander circle, aimlessly in the circle, desert circle. Cir- and mm-hmm. the circles never end. Mm-hmm. Um, you're having somebody who uh, you're doing something She's telling you something, you're reacting to it and making a decision mm-hmm. and then moving the mm-hmm. next step. Does that feel right? Yeah, I think that feels right. And I think that's a good description. And for me, the truck draft was not something I just got lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's and so different than, I mean, I never, I had editors and I had colleagues to help me with my nonfiction books, but yeah, so that's where I'm at. And so it, this- it, it's kind of amazing me. This oh, can you share? I, I won't ask sure. for a logline unless you want to share it with us. But oh, what no, genre? I got a logline. Oh, I what genre? Logline. What genre is it? And what? And give us a logline. Contemporary fantasy. Contemporary fantasy. So exciting! And, um, actually, this is the logline now. Although someone kind of pushed back on this, um, a Hogwarts for middle-aged women, where women learn magic to push back the climate crisis. Take my freaking money. <laughs> why okay you know what's so funny i just had two thoughts go through my head so fast number one why is this not been done before which always says to me it's a great idea yeah, and number two yeah. <laughs> jen loudon has to be the one to write this those were my oh, two Rachel. thoughts that went through oh. exactly because you are so passionate Thank about you. the climate crisis and you write yeah. about it so well and and so passionately 
that's absolutely right for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it does feel like that. Oh, this this is right. Um, and I, you know, I love fantasy and um, I love the idea of magic. And I really want to write a book for people who don't want to talk about the climate crisis. Like, yeah, it's just layered in there. So I hope lightly. <laughs> we'll see. But um, I want this to be the book that for people who don't who are like, I, I can't do anything about that because the theme of the book is it's not too late. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not too late for my yeah. main character. It's not too late for us. It's not as a planet. It's not too late for um, the, the, re- the relationship between the mother and the daughter. It's yeah. a mother daughter story too. I'm glad you're writing this book for me. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it's right. I, because I'm an, a beginner novelist, no matter how many of those damn things are in the drawer, um, <laughs> the daughter is, it's a one, it's a single POV. So the daughter, they have a fight in the beginning, and then she's going to come and help her save the world towards the end. And the rest of the time, it's all of her projections onto her. The mother is the main character. I absolutely love that. I have a <laughs> um, paranormal women's fiction releasing next year from Grand yeah. Central. So let's let's talk more when we are um, when we're doing like releasey things because you will be with this book. I feel I feel this. I feel this. This uh, is this I'm is so your novel. So do you know when? Let's, let's talk about like structure and writing. Do you know mm-hmm. where you're headed? Do you have mm-hmm. an outline? Do you do you know the ending? And if so, I'm I'm super envious. I never know my endings. Yeah, I I spent two or three months doing a lot of character development, but also story beats. I'm not mm-hmm. not you know here never. I don't have a chapter list. I know the turning point is when uh, Thea, the main character, mm-hmm. finds that there is an entire wing in the magic school, which is a treehouse in the Ho Rainforest on the Washington Peninsula, oh, beautiful. Uh, which is a magic place for me. Um, she finds an entire wing of women that are basically um, shells of themselves, that the first school of witches was wiped out because of misuse of magic. Um, so I know that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been setting that up. And then the end, they are going to be successful. They are going to. And there's actually what's developed is that in the beginning, I mean, this is what I love about fiction. So in the beginning, there was one kind of magic and the magic comes and goes in the contemporary world that we live in. So it's this world. Sometimes there's magic, sometimes there's not. Magic comes back when humanity is in crisis and a large enough number of people do something in reaction. So humanity, I would say right now we're in crisis. It's just an idea. And what do most of us do? We escape, right? Mm-hmm. We escape. I am going to escape tonight. Well, I'm not because our friends are coming over for dinner, but usually I'd be so looking forward to whatever we're going to watch on TV, you know, right. whether it's influencers or multiplayer games or whatever. No, no shade on that. But so many people are doing it. It is the ma- uh, it has created a magic that is very unruly. I and love the only that. Way to, the only way to work with it is to feel regret and desire at the same time. That is beautiful. <laughs> because it, you're, the emotions you have to work with with magic in any era are dependent. They're different. They're dependent yeah. on what made the magic. Um, and the reason I was telling you all that, I forgot. I oh, because I'm just, oh, oh, because I'm curious and I wanted to know if you knew the ending. Um, oh, yeah. And me- so the ending is the, I realize now there's two kinds of magic. There's the human magic that comes and goes, but there's also this deep old earth magic. And the earth magic is going to wake up the daughter's going to come and they're going to be successful in, in turning back the climate crisis to buy humanity time. Ah, okay. I've got, <laughs> I've got, like, I've got some writer questions for you, but first of all, yeah, let me ask yeah. you a Rachel question. Um, yeah. Do you believe in magic? Well, 
I mean, do I believe if I did a spell that I would make more money this year? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no. Oh, girl, we would do it. If, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, do I love the idea that, I mean, do I love the idea that there's things that we can't see? Yeah. Yeah. Do I still feel like the kid who walked around? I grew up on a golf course of all things in Florida and I would go for these long walks at night with my dog and I would imagine I lived in Middle Earth. Do I still feel that way? Yes. Yeah. You know, so it's that it's that desire for I, I feel like the magic in my novel stands for 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 connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. How do we how do we connect? That is beautiful. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. talk about how you connect to the work. What does your writing process look like for the oh. fiction? How do you oh. show up? How do you get it done? Yeah. <laughs> uh, reader, uh, most listeners will be listening to this on the air, so you didn't see Jen's <laughs> fabulous face right there as she stuck out her tongue. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's when I'm writing the last self-help book I wrote called Why Bother, um, I was very strict. Like, I could not have my coffee Rachel. That's serious. Until I was in my office writing. So like if you if you wanted to go answer email, Jen, just go right ahead. But you ain't got no coffee in your hand. <laughs> and you can tell from that that I love my latte. <laughs> a good trick. That's a good it one, is. actually. So yeah. that and then I would work dependent on what my schedule looked like with clients and teaching anything else. So maybe it was an hour, maybe it's two hours, three hours. And then once I actually hybrid published, that was my only book. I didn't have a book publisher for a regular book publisher. Um, and so once I contracted with them, then I had a deadline and a team and yeah. it worked the same way that yeah. it works when you have a deadline with your publisher. And with this book, I'm finding because there's so much iteration, the scene that I'm working on now, Rachel, I've been working on for six weeks. I have gone this and the, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Like today I was like, okay, you got a two hour block. Don't mess it up. Don't go do something else. And mostly I didn't, I did go downstairs and make toast, but so I'm just trying to do it mainly time and tomorrow. Yeah. And like, I'll, when we're done, I'll look at my calendar and I'll be like, okay, what can you really do? Look at my calendar, my to-do list. What can you really do? And then I just have to let myself do it. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's that I get addicted to all the other stuff in my life that is so check off a box. Mm -hmm. So the, the inner work for me right now is to let myself have it because I've wanted oh, it for so yeah. long. What a beautiful way to say that, to let yourself have it. And I also like how you've decided not to do word count right now. You're doing time yeah. in share, which I think mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize they are allowed to do. The only time that time in share, I think, is problematic mm -hmm. is when we do time and share and nothing moves forward. You know, it's right. not yeah, been yeah, six yeah, minutes, totally. it's been six months and, yeah. and there's not a scene written. But if time and share gets you there, sometimes that's the only way I can write. I get so overwhelmed by like, oh, I've got to, I've got to do this 1000 words. No, you don't. You have to sit in your chair for 20 minutes and do nothing or write. But, Those are your yeah, two Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing but write, right? Who yeah. says that? <laughs> uh, I think it was Neil, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing or write. Yeah. So th those are my rules. And I totally agree with you. Like I gave myself a little like a little pep talk this morning. I'm like, girl, I think you're, 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 you, I get really addicted to wordsmithing. I get really addicted. And I'll be like, but you got to have the right word. Otherwise I'm like, no, you, it's all right. If it's jab or slap, <laughs> let's just keep going. So it's, it's managing my own bad habits really. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. And what is, yeah. what is writing this book? Um, how did, how is, 
how has changed how has this changed you as a writing teacher and a writing coach mm. while you're writing fiction? Oh, have you know have you noticed idea. anything? Yeah, I think that um I feel like I, I turned 61 uh, a month ago or two months Happy ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. Well, now it feels like it's a long time ago, but I, I feel like I'm in a great period of shedding. I mean, getting rid of all those journals. I just went through my cabinet here before we met and got rid of a ton more stuff. And I, I, I feel like writing whatever fight phase I'm in in my life, the novel is a big part of reflects in my coaching and my teaching as uh, just a lot less rigidity, honestly, a lot more like, I don't know, let's try this. I don't know. You know, I just feel like I'm more chill and I'm a lot less. I feel like so many years I was like, I'm going to find the best way and I'm going to teach you the best way. And now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You know? I love that. I feel like less rigidity immediately in my mind translates to more trust in yourself. Yeah. I, I am I am at my most rigid and controlling when I am not trusting myself yeah. or the universe or whatever is going on. How, do, how does that sound to you? Yeah, experience. Yeah, I think that's a really good insight. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just feel I feel like I'm stepping more and more into just, yeah, this is who I am. This is what you get. I had a very high profile client whose name I won't share uh, hire me to do a very high profile book with her. And then suddenly and every session, she, I could not do this book without you. Every session she would say something like that. And then one day I get a call from her. She's like, yeah, I'm going to hire a researcher. This isn't working for me. And she's <laughs> completely iced me. She's I. Oh no. And I think when I was younger, something like that would have made me go, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Right. What and do I'm I have like, to fix or change? Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, well, no, I did my best. And for whatever reason that wasn't working or suddenly wasn't working or I don't know, it's not my business. I don't know. I did the best I could. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. As long as she paid oh. you for it. Yes. She she paid you for your yes, time. Everybody okay. pays me up front. Everybody Ex pays me up front. <laughs> Excellent. But that's it's exactly analogous to when we put our books out there. We do our best. Yeah. And that's all we can do with our books. And we can't control anything else. We cannot control how a reader takes it, how they find it, how they read it, how they like it, how they don't like it. Um, that's not it's not our business. It's so true. I feel like I put my heart and soul into that last book, which will be my last self-help book. Why bother? And you know, it did fine. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it it didn't it did get released in April, 2020. So oh, know, God. that was, uh, and I had put all my eggs in doing the same kind of book tour I did in 1992. I kind of want to re recreate it. So I was really hard to pivot. You know, there was a lot that went wrong and it, it's been really, it really took the wind out of my sails. You know, mm -hmm. it really, it's really been hard to let go of it. You know, I, I, I regularly have been like, now nah, I got to promote it again. I got to try again. It's like, it's, it's, it's time to let it go, you know? And, but self-help is one of those nice things that it can truck along on its own and then pick yeah, up it really steam. Doesn't. And do... I don't think if, I don't think it got enough flywheel going because of the, yeah. I mean, it sells a few copies, but it's not doing anything like my other books would keep trucking, did keep trucking right. without me having to do much. And it's the kind of thing when people, I, I think it's, I, I don't think it, I would completely rewrite it now. I would complete, I, I have learned a lot more about nonfiction writing 
Okay. <laughs> after 37 years. So may I just pick your brain for a minute then? Yeah. Um, because I've, I've got you on the horn here. I have had this flash of an idea for a nonfiction self-help book, which I've never written. I've written a ton of memoir. Memoir yes. is what I do, yes. but I've never done, well, I've done, I guess I've done a little nonfiction in terms of helping people write, like I got Fast Draft yeah, memoir, memoir and another yeah, one. Faster, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, but I've never done straight up nonfiction in, it, it, this would be in personal finance. I just, <laughs> just laugh when I say it out loud. It's so out of my wheelhouse. What advice would you give me? Like at the, you know, at the 30,000 foot level, how would you like thinking you would do that differently? Why bother differently? What, yeah, what would you tell me? I would, I would have made it shorter. Mm. I would have made it a lot shorter. I would have made, especially in the first few chapters, I would have given people very small things to do that mm. got that feeling of caring and bothering and feeling desire I wouldn't have waited so long I would have given kind them of early taste. successes yeah, exactly yeah. exactly and I would have um made it a lot shorter <laughs> and <laughs> how I long did it end up being oh let's look let's just look <laughs> at a comedy does that include the like oh yeah include all of it okay I'll look at the last page number 341 Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I have, I had the feeling that I wanted to write something and I did write something that's very beautiful. Um, I think has a lot of truth to it and depth, but I don't think that's what people need when they're in a why bother place. I don't think I was reader centered enough mm. at all. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned and coach my people on over and over again. So Right. Okay. Let, like, right. I was in a co coaching conversation yesterday and they finished a whole first part and they've written a, the client has written a book before, but it was little, like little discrete chapters, like little vignettes. There was no yeah. need to carry on a message, make an argument, take the reader from here to here. And so this is the book is different and she's trying, she's taking on a very important and, and touchy subject. And so she's finished this first, we'll call it a part. And, and she's like, now what do I do? You know, she has a TOC, but a table mm -hmm. of contents, but, and I'm like, well, what, where do you think your reader is now? Where are they at the end of this? And then we talked a lot about what needs to still change in that. She's not going to go back and revise it right now. I'm like, okay, so then where do we start? We start with the fact that right now they're like, well, that's all well and good, but, but. It right. would be much easier for me to put this book down and do anything else because I don't know what to and do next. And she's right. She's writing a book for for uh, parents of a, a children who have mental health mm. and addiction challenges. So, but the but was, yeah, great. Teach me how to take care of myself. My kid's still sick. Are you going to help me save my kid? That's what's coming up for them. So that's what she has to address next. That has and, to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that I. I just. I just didn't do that with why bother. And, you know, I have, fan I have occasionally thought, should I go back and rewrite it and re-release it? And I'm like, no, that's done. It's like that whole shedding thing. This you've got stories to tell and move forward. And you've got stories to tell. I love yeah. the, I love the knowledge that you have about this. At um, least one. <laughs> do you, do you foresee, and, and I know this is a terrible question to ask, but do you foresee the, um, <laughs> the, the novel as having serious potential? I don't know. Right now, I don't. I yeah. don't at all. But maybe when I'm done, I'll be like, oh, my God, you know, the glimmer folk, which are the oldest magical creatures that are made out of mm -hmm. crystals. Maybe they have their own book or maybe 
maybe Anya, the daughter, has now the next iteration of magic to carry forward. Thea's going to stay and run the school. So I want to go to that school. I know. That's how the idea started, Rachel. <laughs> I wrote this idea like 14, 15 years ago, and I, I, I sent it to my, my then editor at New World Library. I said, I want to write a novel about a school, a magic school for middle-aged women, because mm -hmm. why didn't we get to go to Hogwarts? <laughs> mm -hmm. That so, is so fabulous yeah. and you know and, and i'm i know that you see this with with the people that you work with but i just saw it happen with you you were talking about why bother and your face was serious and you were telling mm -hmm. me serious things mm -hmm. and then you mentioned the glimmer vote and like yeah. your whole body and yeah. face just started sparkling again yeah it's so sweet you said that my my stepson said the same thing and they were all the kids were here for christmas uh, my daughter my stepson and my stepson's partner and he was like telling his dad, he's like, yeah, like she was so excited talking about that book. So we have to follow that. We have to listen yeah, to that. I know. I know. And it can be really useful we when we have somebody in our corner to point that yeah, out to us or to yeah. know to look for it. Okay. Yeah. So you have, I'm going to take us on a slight, this is fun mm -hmm. with doing this, like completely making it up as we go along. Um, <laughs> well, that's what we do all day, everybody... every day. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so you you're writing this, but you spend a lot of time coaching writers. Can you tell me your favorite thing about coaching other writers? Mm. You know, that's such a beautiful question. There are so many things that I love about it. Today, I, I do occasionally work with, with novelists and I'm working with this novelist. She's a, she's been a, a multi-billion dollar successful CEO. She's retired. Dang. Yeah, like, so this is a smart person and um, she's a natural storyteller. And she's like, she said, everything in my life has been easy. And this is the first time I've ever done anything that I doubt. And oh I'm my like, God. What the hell is that like? <laughs> I got, I know, number one, but I got goosebumps <laughs> right. when you said that. I mean, and yeah. for everyone listening who has struggled to write a book, please hear that. This shit yeah. is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This person who's like done everything. She's like, yeah, everything's been easy for me. And, um, and this is not, even though she's doing a great job. And, um, and I said, you know, it, it's getting to coach somebody through a moment like that, because I know it so well in 40 years of writing, I just know yeah. exactly how to listen to that and coach that. I also really love like the writer I was talking about earlier who wrote the vignette kind of book meditation kind of book. And now this, it's like, I love saying this is like puzzle making right you can you're but you're making the puzzle pieces and then you're fitting them together like there's an extra step you're cutting down a tree to make the exactly. paper to make the pieces you've got to make the saw you gotta, right, right? You gotta print the thing and, yeah um yeah so but i love watching them make that leap from mm -hmm. people who have written a lot but free free rights you know natalie goldberg style and then going oh my god i'm actually doing something different here um, I like that puzzle part a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, maybe the thing that I'm looking up at clients books, um, maybe the thing that I like the most is that you get to hold that faith for them when they can't hold it yes. for themselves. You know? Oh, I love that you yeah. say that. I yeah. teach this, um, I teach 90, a class called 90 days to done and 90 day revision, but 90 day revision is often the hardest because we're talking mm. about taking a, taking them through that second draft, which is the hardest thing to do, mm -hmm. I think, in a book's life. Um, and I frequently tell them, I know you don't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Just trust me. 
just like mm-hmm. put all of the trust in me because I know what I'm yeah. talking about. And I see I say that all of you finishes. Do you say that? Yeah, yeah. Like because, you got this, really. I know you don't believe me, but I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And, and then isn't it? I have it, I'll tell you. <laughs> and isn't it your favorite thing in the whole entire world to say, I told you so when they do uh-huh. it? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I told you so. I told you you could do it. And they're delighted too. They're like, you did. You did yeah. tell me that. Yeah. All right. So if somebody awesome. wanted to know no more to know more about you and how to work with you, where would they go? JenniferLoudon.com. There's my mug. <laughs> and it is. And and please get on Jen's mailing list is one of my favorites. Um, you do so much, you give away so much. You're freaking awesome. Oh, um, I don't know if you I probably haven't told you, but this show has recently been been rebranded from How Do You Write to the punchier ink in your veins. Ooh, so love that. I want to ask you, uh, spur of the moment, when was a moment that you knew you had ink in your veins? Mm, that's a fabulous question. Oh, God. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is when my seventh grade teacher, Mrs. Ray, said over her shoulder to me, you should be a writer. <gasps> But is that true? Is that was that ink in my veins, or was that like me going, "Oh, finally, someone's telling me what to do with my life"? Could it <laughs> could it be a little bit right. of both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think too. I remember this moment in film school and a screenwriting class with uh, Mark Harris, and he would he was he was going on. We were weeks into the semester about characters, action, action as character. He was talking about something completely else, and for some reason, I was thinking about that. And suddenly, in the middle of class, he's talking. I yell out. Character's action. It's character. I'll never forget the look on his face. Like, okay, glad you got it. Now let's move on. The ink in your veins like rose up and boiled over. Yeah. I'm going to reflect more on that, though. That's a beautiful question. And I also want to tell everybody, actually, I have a newsletter now on Substack um, about, it's called It's Not Too Late. And it's all about the theme of the novel, but the, how it applies to your life now. So you can find me there as well. I am so excited that you are doing this work. And I'm so excited that you are writing this book. And um, when you need a blurb, please. Oh, my God. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I totally will. I'd love to. I totally will. Oh, my God. That's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for for being on the show. You're the best. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining me on this episode of Ink in Your Veins. You can reach me at my website, rachelherron.com, and you can also support me at patreon.com slash rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, where I have all sorts of great stuff for writers for as little as a buck a month. And do sign up for my free writer's email list of encouragement at rachelherron.com slash write. Now, get to writing, my friends. Mm-hmm.